In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp. The Badgers, uh, up to 16 commits for their 2024 class. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, we also have... Uh, some other things to talk about, but let's Jesse, let's start with uh, the big news since the last time we had a chance to talk. And I, it's, it is Wisconsin related because you did a story on it and I think it's worthwhile to dive into. And it's the the story of Nathan Roy and his uh, not just not committing to Wisconsin, but committing to Minnesota instead of UCLA or Michigan state. And I think when we talked about him not having Wisconsin as top three, it's like, yeah, this makes sense. He's not from Wisconsin. He's going to go, probably out West play at UCLA where, you know, his brother's at, these are all things that we thought. And then he went and picked PJ Fleck. And I think that probably uh, startled some people, uh, certainly opened some eyes. And it led to, I think a lot of people being worried uh, about Wisconsin, about how could this kid from a Quantico who again, is not, it's not that far from Madison. It's about 70 miles from the Milwaukee area. And he ends up going to P.J. Fleck instead. You dove into why he did that. You spoke with him. You spoke with his father. spoke with his coach. Break down why uh, Nathan Roy is a, a gopher. And what does it mean for Wisconsin? So I think there are a lot of layers to this. I know it's been lighting up the message board since Roy officially announced his commitment to Minnesota over the weekend. You mentioned that he committed to P.J. Fleck. And that is certainly true. But I think it's important to note that He's also committing to the offensive line coach, Brian Callahan. And Brian Callahan is the single biggest reason that Roy is going to Minnesota. When Nathan went through this process, what mattered to him most, or one of the things that mattered to him most, was the relationship that he was going to have with his offensive line coach. And Callahan recruited the hell out of him. He actually offered Roy a scholarship back on September 1st of last year before Wisconsin, before basically every other school. Um, he had one non-Power 5 offer at the time, and then Minnesota came in and, op- and offered him, and Wisconsin was about a week or two later, and everybody else started offering too. So uh, that's part of the story here. And people listening, you're obviously an avid Badgers fan, or you wouldn't be listening, so you probably know some of the backstory. But the initial thought here is, oh, my God, how could the number one player in the state, a four-star prospect, who plays football 70 miles from Camp Randall Stadium, not only not pick the batters, but pick the Gophers, his recruitment is unique. He's not a Wisconsin kid, and um, that is a big part of this equation, too. He was born in California. He spent most of his childhood in, in Phoenix, Arizona, and the family moved in 2018 to the Las Vegas area. He didn't even come to Wisconsin until July 2021, so a little less than two years ago, going into his sophomore year of high school. So I think that is a huge part of this story because he didn't grow up a Badgers fan. This is something that his high school coach said. He's essentially, he's a West Coast kid. And so when he's being recruited, it's a national recruitment. It really wasn't Wisconsin has always been my dream school. It wasn't that at all. And you add that other layer that you referenced, Zach, his older brother is an offensive lineman for UCLA. So he saw the recruitment that his older brother had, and he was recruited out of high school when they were in Las Vegas or or in Henderson, Nevada at Liberty High School. And 
those are all part of the equation here. As it relates to Wisconsin, he dropped his top seven uh, several months ago, and Wisconsin was in the top seven. His dad told me that of the 20 offers or so that he got, um, Nathan's mom and dad helped him kind of whittle it down, and they had conversations about what's a good fit culturally and athletically. But once Nathan hit his top seven, it was all Nathan. And yes, people were very surprised when Wisconsin wasn't in his top three. It was UCLA, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And when I asked Nathan about it, he said there was nothing more that Wisconsin could have done. They 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 really put the work in, but he felt it didn't click for him when he visited Wisconsin. And he was here a lot of times, including with this new staff. He came in January for a junior day. He told me he came up for a spring practice, talked to Phil Longo and Jack Bicknell Jr., but he said it just it wasn't a fit for me. It didn't click for me. And you can't force a kid. You can't make a kid come to your school, even if you try to recruit the heck out of him. And that's something that his high school coach said. This, this is not a failure on Wisconsin's part in my mind, even though I understand why it stings. Luke Fickle was at McGuanago High the first day he could get out and visit those area high schools way back in, in early December. Uh, his coach told me that Bicknell was at the school like four times. Devin Spaulding was there three times because they've got a running back uh, who is a walk-on commit in the 2023 class, but it was more about the relationships. And so you put that all together and that's why he's at Minnesota. I thought he was going to go to UCLA too, Zach, because of the older brother factor. But when I asked Nathan about that, he said it for him, it was just a little bit too far. And he saw what his brother has kind of experienced, especially since his family moved to Wisconsin, that it's not a, a, a couple hour drive or a 45 minute flight. It's, it's four and a half hours. And so he wanted to be a, a little bit closer to home, but those are all things that went into this. Um, and that's why he's not going to Wisconsin. And that's why he's going to Minnesota. I'm not going to bash a kid for making a decision based on relationships, right? Especially yeah. when it's, and I'm not going to, to be fair, I'm not going to bash any kid for doing what he wants to do. There's, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. They can make their decisions. They can do what they want. And um, if Minnesota is a good for hit, good fit for him, that's awesome. That said, you didn't mention PJ Fleck too much there. Well, I I didn't because again, and this is, what his coach said, obviously what this is not like, by the way, that Nathan Roy doesn't like PJ Fleck. You don't commit to a program unless you are, are, are bought into what uh, the coach is selling. And, and I do have a quote from Nathan's dad in the story who praises PJ, he calls him awesome, high energy, high intensity. And uh, he said that he was very transparent. They had several <laughs> calls with him. He liked, I, I, I hear you laughing. And and look, I, I, I told this story as down the line as I could. That's their perspective. Obviously PJ's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, certainly in, in Wisconsin, but here's what I would say. I think not necessarily this recruitment because it's unique, but, this rivalry is as alive and well as it's been in a long time. And, and people cannot like PJ Fleck. And also, and I put this in the story, uh, you know, he's got Minnesota doesn't have kind of the, the history of success in recent years, like Wisconsin does, but PJ has got the highest winning percentage by a Minnesota coach since 1950. Um, his teams have won at least nine games in three of the last four years. They've obviously beaten the Badgers three out of the last five times after losing 14 straight. So, at least the rivalry is alive and well. And I think this adds another layer. And, and another thing that I should say is, and we haven't mentioned this, this is the highest rated recruit that PJ Fleck has landed since he got there. Um, and it's the first time Wisconsin will not have the number one player in its own state 
since 2016 when four-star offensive lineman Ben Bredesen signed with Michigan. So again, there's a, a lot of factors at play as to why, but all of this to me adds a little fuel to the rivalry. And I think that's what makes it fun. Yeah, I mean, having the highest winning percentage at Minnesota since you said the 1950s. Uh, yeah, it was a like, coach who won five national championships. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like being the tallest person in my family. Yeah, um, you know oh, I mean? get it. Like, uh, <laughs> it's not an impressive feat to be the the high, you know, have the highest, be the tallest person in this family. All right, it's not. It's it is relative to what other Minnesota coaches have done, and I'm not trying to say he's should be a Hall of Fame coach. I'm merely saying that. He's put Minnesota in a position where they're much more competitive and this rivalry is more competitive. And, and to me, that's that's at least a good thing for this rivalry. Again, I'm just saying <laughs> what it is. All right. It's it, it is like, come on. So great for uh, obviously great for Minnesota. And they they land the number one player in the state uh, from Wisconsin. W Wisconsin itself has gone into Minnesota a couple of times during P.J. Flex tenure and taken the number one player out of the state of Minnesota, Riley Malman in 2021, and I believe Caden Johnson in 2020. They were both the number one players in the state of Minnesota. So it's not like Wisconsin hasn't done the same thing to them. Same thing to them. If it were to be something that would happen on a regular basis, I think that pops up. But I think it's also worthwhile noting you mentioned Bed Bredesen. That happened in 2016, which also was, quote unquote, Paul Chris's first class. Right. And. Um, you know, he had the 2015 class when he was hired, but that wasn't really his class. 2016 was supposed to be his first class. I think there are parallels here to it. Um, coming in as late as they did in, in trying to, um, in trying to get the top player in the state who had a great relationship somewhere else and maybe didn't have the greatest relationship with, uh, the former staff. You're trying to build quit. You're trying to build a relationship quick and it didn't pan out, but did, uh, the McQuanico coach have anything to say about PJ Fleck? I actually asked him uh, what PJ Fleck kind of said about um, Nathan or, or what their conversations were like. And he actually told me that he had never spoken to PJ Fleck during this <laughs> recruitment, which to me is extremely bizarre. Um, now, every program can handle the recruitment differently. And hey, PJ doesn't have to talk to the head coach if he's talking to the family consistently. I think it speaks more to... Um, how invested Brian Callahan, the O-line coach, was in this recruitment. But I, I did find that to be unusual when you've got a head coach of a really talented player who's a very respected head coach uh, at a program that's had a lot of success in the state. And he said he, he'd never talked to P.J. Fleck. So I, I, I certainly found that to be interesting, but ultimately it wasn't the end-all, be-all in this recruitment. Um, and he did, and, and uh, the, the McGuanago coach did have some really positive things to say about Luke Fickle and, and the staff in general. He said that with Nathan, they they tried their best. You just mentioned this kind of parallel to the Ben Bredesen situation. Um, he This was speculation on the coach's part, but I think it's reasonable that he said maybe with this new staff coming in a little bit later, if, if Nathan would have had a longer, more time to get to know these guys, maybe it would have been different. Now that's speculation, but it's fair. Obviously, Minnesota offered him a scholarship in September. Uh, Wisconsin offered, but and Bob Ostead offered, then you have this staff turnover and you're trying to develop this bond really quickly. Um, that can also be an excuse, but it, it, it is what it is. Um, another part of this equation, and I think why this is uh, also lighting up message boards is, or, or maybe it's just an interesting tidbit. You look at the state recruiting, Wisconsin did not get any of the top four players based on what the 24 seven sports composite is now. Now, obviously the Wisconsin staff 
has its own evaluations, not necessarily taking that into account, but not to rehash all these guys, but Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith, the two kids at Waukesha Catholic Memorial going to Penn State. Wisconsin didn't reoffer those guys. Garrett Sexton, the offensive tackle from Heartland Arrowhead, also going to Penn State. The Badgers didn't uh, offer him until much later into the cycle because they saw that he was 6'7 and 245 pounds, wanted to see whether he would fill out. And they then they offered him, and two days later he committed to Penn State because he already had released his list of finalists. So if you wanted him, that's probably on Wisconsin. And you've got the Roy situation. So I think there are mitigating circumstances for all four of those guys. But it is interesting that they don't have any of the top four, which has never happened before in the online recruiting rankings era. Um, I do think that Roy's high school coach kind of uh, is trying to – his perspective, and I think this should – maybe put fans at ease as he feels that fickle and his staff have quote exceeded what was done previously under previous staff. So I don't think this is going to be an issue moving forward. This is sort of a unique year. The in-state recruiting is going to continue to be important, but let's be honest, the staff has a national reach and we've seen it in this 2024 class. You don't have to have an in-state guy. If you've got someone else on your board, who's a four-star player like Kevin Haywood, or if you can pull guys out of Philadelphia or the East coast or the South, it's not, I feel like recruiting isn't, what it was when Barry Alvarez took over. You've got a bigger reach now and the state will still be a priority, but it doesn't have to be the priority. If you've got other guys on your board. I think that's fine and well, but you need, when you have the type of state like Wisconsin, that does not produce as many division one players as other places in the country, you, you need to keep them home. I, I, again, I, it's not like a, an absolute, but the type of program that Wisconsin is, you need to, keep the best players home. And uh, we talked about this the last time in this particular class, who cares where they're coming from? Right. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, you know, when you get Kevin Haywood four-star out of Pennsylvania, that's, that's awesome. Right. But in future classes, when you have the ability like Wisconsin being the only division one school in this state, you have to lock it down as best you can. And um, I certainly, I, I think the idea that they have a national reach is true. The fact that they've been able to go into Philadelphia and in Pennsylvania in general and take kids out is amazing. That just can't be something you count on on a on yeah. a year to year basis all the time because coaches are going to come and go. Colin Hitchell is going to, you know, who knows what Colin Hitchell's future here is. So you can't count on that. What you can count on is being the lone school, lone Division One school in your state that is producing of late some really quality players that have gone elsewhere and again the stories with these particular guys are different each one is different but and we know that they're in a good spot with some 2025 kids but to think that you can just go elsewhere and, and get whenever you want it that's just not the case you have to be able to you have to be able to consistently get the top players in the state and wisconsin has done that for the most part it just in the 2024 class it, it hasn't been the case oh i absolutely agree with you zach i i this in-state recruiting is still very important. Um, I suppose my point was, you know, if you don't get a couple and you substitute them with really good players, it's going to be okay, especially on the offensive line. But this in-state recruiting is going to be extremely important. And they have three in-state commits, even if they're not considered the top four in the state. They did get Derek Jensen, the the who's Sexton's teammate at Heartland Arrowhead. They have Rob Booker the tight end from Wanakee. They have Landon Gothier, the, the linebacker from Green Bay. And in 2025, they've got out, out offers out to six in-state prospects. And I think they're going to wind up doing very well there. Yeah, this is unique. Um, the in-state recruiting is going to continue to be important. And I'm with you. You've got to be able to get um, a good majority of these kids. But I think I just, 
it's not a time to panic because of what has happened. It's kind of been a unique year and, and we'll see how it all pans out, obviously down the line. Yeah, I agree. Again, I'm not, I'm not pressing the panic button by any stretch. I'm just saying the idea that you can just go out and replace these guys with players from out of state on a consistent basis, I don't think is just realistic. Like, cause you can't count on some of uh, the coach who's getting these kids to be there, to be here the entire time. You can count on the fact that camp Randall stadium is not going anywhere. The university of Wisconsin is not going anywhere. It's always going to be in Madison. And so you have to be able to, I think as best you can lock down the state. And um, they certainly have an opportunity to uh, add some big time players in 2025. So we'll see again with uh, Minnesota's recruiting class ranked quite high. They also have 23 commits. Yeah, uh, which I believe is among the tops. It's got to be among the most in the country at this point. Number one at this point. So they've that's yeah. a big reason why they're in the, the top 10 or 11 is they've got more commits than anybody else in Wisconsin right now is sitting at 14th in the composite with 16 commits. So this happens a lot. The big boys, they've got the five star offers and those kids can afford to wait longer and they're going to rise significantly. But at least Minnesota's done its its early work to, to land the commits in the 2024 class. Yeah, Minnesota's uh, average is 86.8. Wisconsin's is 87.9, which was uh, added to this week in cornerback Jay Harper, the yes. three-star recruit out of Alabama, one of the guys that visited earlier this year. Um, listed at six foot, you just never know with that, um, right? Sometimes guys could be, if they're listed at six foot, they could be 5'10", 5'11". Either way, six foot. Um, they like their tall. They like their tall defensive backs, Jesse and uh, and Jay Harper, another one picked uh, Wisconsin over Louisville and and several others. Yeah, they uh, they like their versatile athletic corners, much like Jim Leonard did. But obviously, as we've talked about over the last month or two, or even more, they are pursuing a different kind of corner and defensive back in general. I had a chance to talk to Harper's high school coach, and um, I mean, he's got everything that you would want. Obviously, very technically sound. He's worked on his position. And the backstory is this was a late recruitment from Wisconsin. Like cornerbacks coach Paul Haynes didn't offer Harper until didn't even reach out as far as I know until a, a couple months ago. And then in early May, Harper locked in his official visit to Wisconsin for June, got the scholarship offer when he visited, and now he's committed. So they've got two cornerbacks committed at this time. So it's him, it's Vernon Woodward, the kid from Winter Park, Florida, and a couple other kids who are very high on Wisconsin, who have taken officials, two that took officials with Harper, Lloyd Irvin, the kid from Maryland, Emilio Agard from Philadelphia, which I uh, imagine we'll touch on here in a bit. But Harper's a kid who's a coach's son, and I think that's never a bad thing. His dad is the team's defensive coordinator, and he's also been the varsity boys basketball coach. This is for Valley uh, High School out in Alabama. He's been the basketball coach there for 24 years, and they won a state title this past season. So that's kind of embedded in Jay Harper with with his work ethic and and you can see the highlights he's a, a very talented player had 48 tackles three picks in 10 games had a really one game he not only did he return a kickoff for a touchdown but he had a pick six in the last minute to seal the game so hmm. you're never going to say that somebody's a bad pickup at this stage but um it seems like another pretty quality pickup you you're getting DBs from the south who have some major offers and now Wisconsin has 16 publicly committed prospects in this 2024 class and eight this month since official visits began. Let's talk about the Amelia Agard uh, situation <laughs> because uh, 
Tuesday afternoon, it came out. He announced that he was going to be committing July 1st, which is also his birthday. And he put out uh, a graphic and the graphic had five schools on it. And Wisconsin was not one of those schools. And it caught a lot of people off guard because within minutes uh, earlier than that, there have been some people um, putting in crystal balls for Wisconsin. And about 10 minutes after he put it out, he deleted it. I would assume it was a uh, a mistake on his part that uh, he did not intentionally do that. I, I intend to do that. I believe it looked like the same finalists he had when he announced it in January, I think, when he put out his top five in January, maybe it was. And, uh, you know, Alabama and some of those other schools were on it. And it's my understanding that Wisconsin is definitely in his top five and uh, would is expected to be one of his top choices. I texted him right after this because I'd been communicating with him uh, a little bit ago after his official. <laughs> I was like, uh, just wondering if Wisconsin's still in your top five because last time we talked, seemed like things were going pretty well. And, and he said it was a mistake and Wisconsin was supposed to be in the edit. Obviously not ideal, but uh, w- Wisconsin is in, in very good shape. You mentioned the July 1st announcement date. Most people believe he's choosing between Wisconsin and Clemson. I think the Badgers are in good shape. Now, Neil is going to let us all know what his decision is July 1st, but this would be a big time addition for the Badgers to get a four-star cornerback, another Philadelphia kid. So obviously Colin Hitchler and, and his recruitment is, is paying dividends. Um, we'll see how it plays out, but it just feels to me like they've really tried to elevate uh, their recruiting of DBs in terms of the, the talent level. Um, and uh, you know, they're, they're well on their way to, to, establishing a, a pretty solid 2024 recruiting class. We talked about it the last time we did the, uh, the show in him. He's, he's not the typical, as we talked about earlier with the, the bigger corner, he's not that right. He's not, he's at least not listed that, but had some ridiculous, uh, ridiculously high offers earlier in his career. You know, Clemson competing, competing for Clemson for his, uh, for his commitment. Um, just fine. Just fine. The way that, the Tigers have played defense for the last decade plus. Yeah. 30 plus um, offers, Penn state, Tennessee, Alabama, Clemson. Um, again, we'll, we'll see what his announcement is in about a week and a half, but to be in the running and be considered a leader, uh, I think speaks volumes about just what they've been able to build here very quickly in recruiting. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up. Um, he is uh, Jesse outside. We kind of talked about this last week, but he's, he's outside of that 300 mile radius that uh, Luke Fickle talked about when he took the job. And I've, as I said last week, I always thought that it's just, you know, it is what it is. If you say it. And I think like you're going to be able to build, you know, significant pieces of your team from inside that 300 mile radius, but you have to go get guys where you're, where, uh, you have to go anywhere to go get guys that want to come here, right? It doesn't matter how far away they are to fill your class, to get the best players here. You go and find them. And uh, just look, I know you looked at some of the numbers and based on uh, this first class of the 16, like how many are within that 300 mile radius? So this is a story I'm working on for later this week on the athletic, but obviously as we've seen this recruiting class play out, it is very different from that, so-called 300, 350 mile radius, five of the 16 kids, as we're having this discussion, Zach fit into that 350 mile radius. Um, And in looking at what, who this staff is offering, I think it's notable um, and speaks to where the recruiting ties are and where they feel they can go get kids. Maybe that's just for this first class, but 
you look in the state where they've offered the most prospects is Florida. Not totally out of the ordinary, but, and I'm looking at the, for this story, that the 24-7 sports database, because they generally do a very good job of tracking all these prospects. There are 30 offers that have gone out to kids in Florida. 27 of those 30 offers have come from the new staff. Um, now, obviously, because of when the staff came in, it makes sense that a lot of the work for 2024 is being done with this new staff. But that's the most offers in Florida from Wisconsin since 2018. So you don't end up getting most of those kids, but I find that interesting. And Wisconsin's also offered scholarships to 16 prospects in Pennsylvania, and 11 of those offers have come from the new staff. As far as I know, that's the highest number of offers to prospects in Pennsylvania. And like we've discussed, they've had a very good hit rate and, and presumably not done yet because you've got Colin Hitchler, who is from Philadelphia, who went to Penn, who's got tremendous recruiting ties out there. Jack McNell Jr. is a New Jersey native. He's got recruiting ties to the New England area. So I think those two have done a very good job. And that's not to say that this 300, 350 mile radius isn't going to be extremely important for Wisconsin. We know the state of Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, obviously Ohio, based on Luke Fickle and his staff's recruiting ties previously, those are going to be huge for Wisconsin. But there are certain positions where you're going to have to go elsewhere. And so far it's worked out, particularly in Pennsylvania. But I find that to be very interesting. And I, I look at it more as like a guidepost. And I think that's kind of the, the crux of what my story will be, is that, um, yes, the, the, the local guys and, and falling within that radius are important, but it's not the end all be all. Um, again, Wisconsin is a national program. These coaches specifically have different recruiting ties than the previous staff. And I think you're seeing that play out with the types of kids that they're offering. You think it fluctuates just based on who's on the staff at any particular time? I think it does. I also think the talent level in a given year in a state probably plays a role into it. Now, there are certain states where there's always going to be talent. You, you look at where the offers have come from so far. It's Florida said there's 30 offers. Illinois has 17. Pennsylvania, 16. Texas, 16. Ohio, 14. Maryland, 13. California, 10. A lot of those schools, uh, Wisconsin is generally offering a, a significant number of kids to. But but yeah, I, I do think part of it has to do with you, you go where the strong suits of your coaching staff is, right? Um, yep. And we can, <laughs> Gary Anderson's had his own era, but uh, those were some West Coast guys. And they started getting kids from areas that Wisconsin didn't necessarily pursue. Um, this staff has its own recruiting ties. So, yeah, I think that's that's absolutely a big part of it. So it's, it's the, the relationships that coaches have. It's the talent level in a given state. Um, and uh, that's kind of what we're seeing this year. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. As you just said right there, where coaches have connections at. Yes. Where they know people. Do you think that the inability to close to some of the guys in the state has anything to do with not having anybody from the state on your staff, like your actual staff? Obviously, right. we know Casey, Casey Rubach is a huge part of what they're doing in the recruiting department um, and his certainly his connection to the state and his connection to the football program and everything like that is, is one thing, but not to have anybody on your staff that's going out and visiting these kids um, from the state that they don't, so they don't know anybody truly, truly know anybody. Do you think it has, it has played any kind of role whatsoever? I'm not going to say that it has just yet. Um, Fickle talked about this very early on in his tenure. I think it was even in January at an alumni event in Milwaukee when he was speaking with reporters, he totally acknowledged that, 
Uh, his staff doesn't have ties to Wisconsin, and he said it's going to take some time, but they're, they are already working their ass off to try to build those relationships. Um, I can't say if they had one guy on staff. I mean, I think of, uh, you know, I think of several years ago when Ben Strickland was here for a brief time as a holdover, um, and he had all those in-state ties. Let's say they had somebody like that. Would it have made a difference with one of these guys? I'm not necessarily sure that it would have. Um, just because I think there are a lot of factors at play specifically with that 2024 class. And I think that they're, this staff is putting in the work, like, like Nathan Roy's high school coach said, Fickle was there at McGuanago the, the first day he could get out to local schools. Bicknell was at the school multiple times. So was Devin Spalding. So I think it takes a little bit of time. And I, I, I just don't have significant concerns right now about uh, the in-state part of this. Um, they're going to get there. And there are kids the ones who did grow up as Badgers fans, the ones who have kind of always understood what Wisconsin is, Wisconsin is still going to be a big deal for them, no matter who the coaching staff is. And and so to me, this is, if we have this conversation a year from now and the six guys that they've offered in 2025 have all gone elsewhere or four of the six have, you know, then I think maybe we can revisit this conversation. But right now I'm, I'm, I just don't have significant concerns. And I also think there are a ton of guys still out there on the board that are outside the radius that if Wisconsin gets, if you're a Badgers fan, you go, hell yeah, right? Look at all these East Coast guys that have taken officials uh, that are still making up their mind. Liam Andrews, the kid that uh, Wisconsin was recruiting as a defensive lineman who initially was an O lineman and, and school saw him there, Cash Sanders. Benedict Duma, the D-line, four-star D-lineman. Dylan Jones, the other four-star running back who's out there. We talked about Agard, Lloyd Irvin, Dominic Nichols, another defensive lineman. These are all East Coast kids that if Wisconsin got, you're just like, you're kind of like, wow, that, that's a really good job. So um, that doesn't mean it's not important to, to stay within the state. But I think I just think there's a lot of factors at play. And I, I, I don't have any concerns about this staff's ability to recruit the state, even if it takes a little bit of time. You, you mentioned something interesting there, uh, guys that grew up Badgers fans. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, Donovan Harbor having no interest in college football, or was it Corey Smith? One of the two had Co no yeah, interest. Corey Smith didn't, and Harbor yeah. was an LSU fan. Yeah. Do you think that it, it becomes more common because of the ability to, to see everything? Because, like, growing up, when we grew up, you grew up in, obviously – a big Kansas fan um, basketball, I assume probably not too much of a football fan there. Um, they were good for a minute. They were good. For yeah. A uh, and obviously me growing up here, like it was, it, Wisconsin was it like Wisconsin is what you saw. Wisconsin was what you, you lived and all that stuff. Um, do you think it has changed at all based on some of the abil ability to see every other school um, with whether it's TV whether it's online, whether whatever it is, do you think it has changed like how people view like staying home? I mean, we, we've seen it in basketball a little bit, right? Just because with a you're traveling all over the place with this, you have, there are so many other camps for football now, but you also have the ability to see every team on TV yeah. whenever you want to. I think it's a totally reasonable, valid point. Um, this is a different era. I think it's perhaps a, it's definitely harder to keep the, the in-state kids uh, to keep their attention, to get them, I think Wisconsin as a whole has gotten a lot more respect on the recruiting front lately, where you get some of these other big 10 programs and, and high major FBS programs coming in much earlier. I mean, how many of these guys have been four-star recruits as sophomores uh, that you didn't necessarily see before? 
when you had these three-star guys that, that maybe their best offer was a Wisconsin and now they're in the NFL and it's like, what, what the hell happened here? You obviously, someone missed on something along the way that, that doesn't, it doesn't feel like kids are slipping through the cracks as much. So there's that aspect. And I also think it's, it's totally fair. They've got access to everything at their fingertips um, may not necessarily grow up Badgers fans may not on Saturdays want to come to camp Randall as a family come there. They've got other things going on. I, it's not to make excuses. It's just to try to acknowledge the reality of the situation. And we've seen it play out with, with uh, at least a handful of, of some of these in-state recruits. So it's another thing to overcome. It's, it's not an obstacle that's impossible to overcome, but I do think it's fair to acknowledge it, Zach. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, Wisconsin's still in the mix for uh, several of those guys that you talked about, and uh, we'll see if any of them commit this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, and we'll uh, keep pushing towards Big Ten media days. That was announced uh, was last week, maybe the week before, uh, what those days are going to be. You're going to have to help me here. It was the 26th and 27th. Yes, very good memory. Wisconsin's yeah. on day two on July 27th, still to be determined on who the players will be at it that represent the Badgers. Yes. So uh, obviously can't wait to get down to Indianapolis again. And um, we'll be doing, uh, we'll have Jesse at some point, but uh, we'll be doing shows uh, from radio row both days. And uh, can't wait to get down there. We've got some other stuff planned for July as well, leading into that. And um, still unsure exactly what the first week of fall camp is going to look like <laughs> uh, and uh, what exactly with them being down at Platteville. But all those things are, are to be known here in the next month or so as we get closer and closer to fall camp and, and to the football season. Can't wait. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.